This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Kylian Mbappé's world. We are all just living in it. The Frenchman gives PSG the upper hand after running amok against Real Madrid's back line. And elsewhere, Man City, oh boy, scary Man City, racked up a cricket score against Sporting Lisbon. Good thing for the Portuguese, the away goals rule has been scrapped, eh? Gigo Lasso Champions League Tuesday recap begins with myself and Jerry Heath Pierce Maguire, who's on the call doing a lot of business. Jonathan Johnson will join us from Pog the Prince and Kegelasso Champions League recap begins right now. Hey everybody, if you're watching live on YouTube, thank you so much. Like the video, go on and make sure that you go on there and, uh, you know, like it, subscribe, share, spread the word. It only costs a second and really doesn't mean anything to you aside from just liking. More likes means we get Kegel Lasso in front of more eyeballs. So help us grow this thing. Some of you are listening to this in podcast form. That's very nice. You know what's even nicer? Subscribing to the Kegel Lasso podcast wherever you get your pods and take a minute to leave us a glowing rating and review. And by the way, you can do that now while you listen. You can do one thing and many things at a time. Welcome, everybody. Please, if you are watching, hey, how's it going, Harry? Please leave those comments, leave those likes. Jerry Maguire's over. Heath Pierce doing the business. I wanted to begin this show with Heath Pierce on the phone because hey. I thought it was hilarious. How uh, are you, Heath? Hey, listen, as, as a lifelong PSG fan, you can <laughs> obviously... Uh, imagine what's happening on my phone right now, right? It's just busy, you know, it's hectic, it's crazy. I just came in from the from the basketball courts just by chance wearing my my uh PSG uh my, my PSG jumpman uh collaboration Ooh, shoes. Uh and you're like just, a 2022 Billy Hoyle from White Man Can Jump, right? Yeah, now. yeah. And then you know, I got I, it's a little bit chilly today in California, so I got my windbreaker on naturally. It's a little bit, you know, it, it breathes well just in case you get too what hot. What is it? 57 and dry. <laughs> yeah, it, it rained a little bit last night, so I'm trying to I'm keeping a couple layers, so it's just a little bit random that is the same day that PSG uh played and PSG uh happened to get a win after having two million shots uh, versus uh, Real Madrid zero. I love it. Heath, the hype beast, uh, Jorge. That's right. I love me some Heath Pierce. And you know what I love? Some Jonathan Johnson from Pop de Prince. Talk to me about the atmosphere. JJ, how are you, my friend? Uh, amazing finish. Basically, Kylian Mbappé, just like Michael Jordan back in the 90s, called game, JJ. How are you, buddy? Hey there, guys. Great to be on with you, man. I'm, I'm just so shocked that Heath Pierce has been a PSG Ultra all this time. Just so disgraced. Honestly, uh, you know, these are, these are the nights that we absolutely love in the Champions League. That sort of drama, you know, it sort of looked like PSG was slipping back into bad old habits. And then, you know, who better to compare? 
and then Kylian Mbappe and Neymar. Uh, you know, I, I have to, I have to say, I, I think Neymar deserves special, special credit coming in first time he's played in months. Uh, you know, I think he really tipped the balance in PSG's favour, teed up Mbappe, uh, you know, and it was written that Mbappe would score in this game, uh, you know, and I think it's uh, it's going to be a long journey home for those Real Madrid fans. They've taken a bit of a pasting tonight. I mean, I know it only finished 1-0, but some of the chances conceded, uh, you know, some of the play that we saw from times at PSG, PSG will be kicking themselves that, you know, they didn't score goals. Luckily for them, away goals, you know, won't count uh, as much over the two legs, but they're going to have to be sharper in front of goal in Madrid because some of the opportunities they created, Di Maria in the first half, Messi having that penalty save, but Courtois as well, fantastic performance. I don't think I've ever seen him better in the flesh, and I've seen him live a few times. Yeah, JJ, my question is, obviously, going into those final moments of the game, Clearly, I'm sure you as a journalist, the narrative in your head was certainly saying squandered chances, opportunities missed, uh, 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 an opportunity wasted, uh, so many chances to score. How much does that change the narrative now going into the second leg when they were actually able to, to get that goal granted in the closing moments? Oh, it's huge. I've got a big fat zero in terms of my match report sitting in front of me at the moment. <laughs> it just changed exactly everything I wanted to write about. No, I mean... Honestly, it's. I, I think that's a, it's a huge relief from PSG, and you saw that, uh, you know, in the scenes, the, the the fans celebrating, the players celebrating with the fans after the final whistle. It's just relief all around because I think PSG felt, you know, oh no, not again. You know, this is this is happening. Uh, you know, once more. You know, we we don't quite have enough on the on the Champions League stage, and then you know. For Mbappe to come up big, as we saw him do a couple of times last season against Barcelona, against Bayern Munich, you know, I, I think will feel really, really rewarding for PSG. But also at the same time, they're getting off the hook a little bit. You know, I think Pochettino will be a relieved man. Almost zero in-game management after they made a very, very good start. You know, the press was impressive for the majority of the first half. But after that, you know, two changes when he had a bench full of the talent that he that he possesses. Uh, you know, I, I think it was almost very, very underwhelming. But when you have somebody of the class of Neymar coming off the bench, of Kylian Mbappe's quality, knocking at the door the whole night, there's always the danger that that's going to happen. And, you know, Ancelotti came so close to getting that goal of straw that he obviously wanted to, to set Real Madrid up to, to come away with. But also at the same time, I, I feel that Real were, were a bit flattered by the fact they'd only finished 1-0. They were very disappointed. Yeah, actually, I want to go on that point, JJ, because obviously a fantastic Kylian Mbappé calls game, last seconds of the game. Obviously a very big uh, uplift for PSG and their fans, but it's only one nothing. It's only one nothing. So what do you think PSG are going to be thinking about in that second leg? Because, you know, now that the away goal rule is basically dusted, uh, you know, they're still going to go in there and think, well, listen, we may be having the lead, but it's only by one goal. And now we have to travel. So what, what, what do you make of that? What do you think PSG is thinking about in the second leg? I mean, I think PSG know that they need to replicate what we saw from them tonight. I thought there were some fantastic performances. Nuno Mendes, I cannot speak highly enough of him. So I good. thought he was sublime on so the good. left. You know, dovetailed brilliantly with, uh, with Mbappe at times. Uh, you know, and I think, obviously, uh, you know, when you have the possibility 
football being better fits as well uh, by the time the, the second leg comes around. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's plenty for PSG to feel encouraged about as long as they can, you know, still keep it alive in their minds, not get ahead of themselves, don't think that the job is done, you know, go to Madrid, you know, with a specific mission in mind, and that's just to go out, blow Real Madrid away, score more than them. Yep. Basically, PSG will be saying to themselves, you know, if we can get the draw or better, you know, we are through, uh, you know, and I think that they will they'll give themselves a bit of a pat on the back tonight. But they know they know from the situation that they're in domestically with the Coupe de France being out of the window, uh, you know, with such a significant lead in Ligue 1 that the Champions League is more important than ever this season. And they cannot let this opportunity go. You know, they really need to go to Madrid knowing that they need to put Real to bed as early as possible. Now, JJ, I got one more question for you uh, regarding Real Madrid. Obviously, you were on hand for this match. At least from my vantage point, watching from the television, Real Madrid looked tired uh, for the final 30. They looked like they're not used to having to defend in numbers and for long periods where they're getting dragged and pulled all over the place and they got to scrap for every 50-50 ball. And they just seemed to wear down. Did you have the same take on that or did you think PSG was just too good? And it was also partially the Real Madrid game plan to just sit deeper and deeper because they looked late to things. They looked a little bit late to arrive, almost confused at times and saying, hey, it's been a while since the team took it to us like this. I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. I think it was a mixture of things. I do think that the game plan was set up to come away with a nil-nil or a 1-1 if, if they could sneak a goal. But also, I think that this is also part and parcel of Real just having so many veterans in this team. I mean, as, as fantastic as some of those players are, they're not getting any younger. You know, your Modric's, your Klaus, uh, you know, your Casemiro, your Benzema. We know that Benzema wasn't fully fit, yet he still went the majority of the match. Uh, you know, and I, I think that was always going to be part of the part of the risk. Ancelotti came so close to pulling it off, but ultimately PSG got in. They deserved, and it could and probably should be, uh, you know, a much uh, bigger score at the end of it. But I do agree with you. I do think that Real looked, uh, you know, their age in uh, in parts even at the moment. You know, if Real fans and, and experts think that Kylian Mbappe, you put Kylian Mbappe into this Real side, and that solves all the problems. You know, they're, they're dreaming. They have a lot of work to do uh, this summer. And if Mbappe is part of that, so be it. But there's a lot of different areas that need attention. Yeah, a very good point there, Jonathan Johnson. So we're going to let you go, my friend, because I know that you are, uh, you know, on, you want to get home, of course, but fantastic for you to be there, of course. Uh, PSG Ultra number one fan, Heath Pierce, thanks you for your report. And we will see you next time, JJ. JJ, thank you so much, buddy. Get home safe. Guys, much love. Thanks for having me on. All right, that was Jonathan Johnson from Parc de Prince, everybody. I'm telling you, we give you we give you the best here at Kegolasso, right there from the stadium. And uh, super fan PSG number one, Heath Pierce, cannot hey, complain. Hey, HP. Free music. We also got some free music in the stadium, you know what I mean? What do you think of that, by the way? Their soundtrack's not bad, huh? It's very no. Euro, isn't it? It is. It is very Euro. Um, but uh, what what a great opportunity for, for JJ, who's so in deep with the team and the league there to be able to be on hand for that. I was, you know, he made a good point of, of the Mbappe to, to Real Madrid and, and how it's not just one piece. Cause the reason I asked him that question about the fatigue is that I looked at, at, at Tony Cruz and I was like, this guy's barely moving. I looked at yeah. Modric and I was like, there's not a lot of dynamic movement when you see the explosivity of PSG and the movement off the ball. When they had a rhythm, it was in, out, out, in, back, out the other side, combination play. You could see these like 
buildups, these swings happen that happen only at the highest level of the game. Whereas for Real Madrid, and again, it was partially because they're playing away from home. It just looked like a survival mode. And for granted, from by and large in the first half, they did all right with, with, with managing that. But now when I think about them moving forward and I think about their option off the bench is, is Gareth Bale. I think about the fact that when they roll out their best lineup, they still didn't have a ton of dynamic options. Um, what that's going to look like in terms of an overhaul uh, come summer. Yeah, absolutely. Natalie makes a good point. Danny Carvajal, aged 10 years in Paris. Uh, good point there. And listen, here's the thing. I'll give you some stats here, HP and everybody. PSG, 21 shots. 21 shots, okay? Granted, eight of them were on target. It took a very good Courtois today to deny not just a messy penalty, but the avalanche of attack from PSG. Real Madrid only had three shots, zero on target. The possession was more for PSG, and they had way more passes completed uh, than the visitors. So to your point about that midfield, and it's something that Carlo Ancelotti really should have been thinking about. I was reading a report even before the game started that maybe um, Benzema, you know, he was reportedly starting against medical report wishes, which is, you know, something that is worthy of a discussion, should have maybe... Uh, uh, more of the uh, strengthening should have been more in the midfield. Maybe Valverde should have started to just contain a little bit. Because to your point, Heath Pierce, Tony Cruz looked a little bit tired. Modric can't do everything himself. And I said in on HQ that, you know, Casemiro needs a very good game. He didn't have a very good game. And even with a Lionel Messi, by the way, he was showing his age. PSG was just too much because they just have too many weapons. Hakimi at the very beginning. Uh, JJ mentioned Nuno Mendes, who's by the way, he's just amazing. What a great player. And then, of course, that trio up front. So Real Madrid have a lot to do, basically, is my point. And the fact that they're leading still La Liga says a lot, I think. Yeah, I think there's a maturity that they have in the team that works in La Liga, right? In terms of knowing time and place of when to scrap out and grind out results. I think yeah. the fact that they could play with Isco up top if they need to, the fact that they've gone to Gareth Bale up top when they need to, when Benzema has been out, is, is a great rotation for the league. But in a game against PSG, who, you know, and we, we didn't know what to expect. You look on paper and you go, PSG is amazing, but they're still squeaking out. And, and they're, they're padded in the league, but they're still squeaking out 1-0 wins over Ren uh, to, 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 to get those wins in the league. And we've seen them at times have long stretches in the league where they don't play good during those matches, but still find ways to get results. I will, I, one of the things I, that I wanted to go back to with you is, it was bizarre to see Messi a step behind. And I don't mm. know if that was an isolation. I haven't watched him enough, uh, enough this season to really judge that. But Natalie talked about uh, Carvajal aging 10 years. I mean, Messi aged 10 years in Paris <laughs> I mean, when, I, when I look at him. Just the, the, I've never, I don't remember a game where Messi had the ball in positions and turned the ball over the way that he did and the way that he almost second-guessed himself at times with the ball where bad touches, bad first touches, dribbling into spaces that he usually is a hundred percent automatic going through. He just didn't look himself. Now they still got out with the win. And I think that's what they're happy about. But uh, I mean, LME, did you see that as well with, with Messi? Cause he certainly didn't look his best. And, and while his best can be where you don't see him all the time. And then all of a sudden the magic comes out, he just looked a, a little bit slow. Uh, and maybe I'm talking about two or three specific incidences and I'm making it bigger than, than it should be. 
but he did look a step off of the, the, the Messi who usually takes over matches like this. Well, 100%. He did. I mean, but it's natural. I think it's, I don't think it should be a shocking revelation. This man's going to be 35 years old. I mean, we all like to think of Lionel Messi as this alien, but he's not. He's a human being. And I he's think 35, that, by the way, with like a, a thousand games, like right, exactly. you know, 35 me and 35 him are like, he's got to be aged like 10x. Uh, because exactly. of the he's played. And also taking in mind, taking into consideration with all due respect that it's he's not facing La Liga opposition every weekend. This is Liga. It's a little bit different. He's also recovering as well from a series of niggles, right? Not necessarily massive injuries that have him out for like half a year, but things that are, his body is just not responding the way that it did perhaps when he was even 27, 28, 29 years old. So you can see that. So that's and the other part I think is that Real Madrid. I I believe that specifically because we were talking about this all week. I've been watching Chiringuito all week, and they were worried about PSG, and they were talking about Mbappe, of course, and everything. But they they still have the ghost of the Barcelona Lionel Messi in their minds. Yeah. So Ancelotti knew that they had to put a lot of focus on him. So I think that that attracted a lot of it, and then. You know, when you have the luxury of bringing on Neymar Jr. later on, coming back from his own injury, then it becomes another situation. Lionel Messi definitely looked his age. The penalty was not a good one. Courtois did well. But I think in the end, you know, now we are in a PSG side that doesn't rely on Lionel Messi. It has Lionel Messi. I think it's a different narrative now. And I've said it all along, right? This man who's done so much, Right, faced Real Madrid 45 times, most against any club, 26 goals scored. That's the Barcelona Lionel Messi. This is a different type of Messi, perhaps somebody that can drop a little deeper. But this, as I've mentioned for a long time now, is Kylian Mbappé's team, at least for the remainder of this season. Right, and that's what I think should be the focus. And you know, I, I again, I go back to the beginning, HP. I don't think anybody should be shocked by how Messi is showing his age as well. Uh, our producer, Desnor, is saying Ronaldo scored the same time Messi missed the penalty, by the way. Manchester United playing Brighton today. They won 2 nothing, and Ronaldo scored. Um, HP, let me ask you this. A lot of um, PSG right now, I kind of ask you the same thing, and I'll ask everybody the same thing that's watching, by the way. Please share your thoughts and comments because, you know, it's still just one nothing, and it took until the last seconds of the game for it to become one nothing. And a very magical moment from a very magical player to be one nothing. It's not game over here. It's not job done here by PSG. What do you envision, just your initial gut reaction, when PSG visit Real Madrid? Because it's only 1-0. Yeah, it's hard to say because I, I thought that they did a great job with their back line of Nuno Mendes being a little more balanced with, uh, you know, Hakimi sometimes being up higher than the strikers on the pitch and just cheating forward. It was almost like they knew... Real Madrid's intentions from the very beginning and look to execute against that. Having said that, like you said, it went to 90, 93rd minute to be able to, to get the to winner that they need, that they needed. So it's going to require them to have a little bit more balance, but I think they smell a little bit of that blood of saying, okay, well, what's the difference between today and when they play at home? Is Real Madrid really going to be that much better if we were to put the high energy press that we had at times, if, if we're collapsing on the ball every time we turn it over to win the ball back in good spots? Uh, you know, can Real Madrid keep with that pace? And I think there's a certainly a, a belief that if you create that chaos and that fast pace, and Barcelona used to do this to Real Madrid too when they could, that type of pressing where you could disrupt them and get in their faces and make them feel uncomfortable as a team that's used to dominating games and used to controlling the flow of games. I think there's certainly an argument for PSG being able to win 
second leg. Now, you know, having said that, Kareem Benzema will be a little bit fitter. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to rotate. They'll play a little bit more vulnerably in terms of having more attacking presence. Maybe you don't need as much conservatism in your midfield with Modric, Casemiro, and Tony Cruz. I thought Danny Carvajal was 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 off the mark um, and and struggled almost the entire time he was on the field before being subbed off. And so I, I don't want to rule Real Madrid out based on this one match because again they're heading home with a one nil. If you took this into context historically, uh, you would say, hey. Real Madrid got a result in this one, right? Only one nil. It's what, what's worrying is the way in which they got the one nil. They never had really any chances. They weren't really in the game. But for the first half, PSG didn't create a ton of chances. Yeah, they had possession. They had some beautiful looking attacks. But a lot of that was wasted with Mbappe tracking back, leaving the, the penalty area, not having a lot of numbers in the box, things like that. There was a lot of guys wanting the ball at their feet and underneath that back line, which is really comfortable if you're Real Madrid's back line. So I think there was a little bit of, uh, of concern with, the fact that they didn't do as much. Second half, obviously, we saw a different PSG taking more risks, more players in and around the box, uh, getting clear-cut chances on goal. That would have seemed like an unfair result had they finished on on uh, level on points. But if you look at it as a whole, Luis, I guess to wrap up my thought, 1-0 going back to uh, the Bernabeu is an incredible opportunity for Real Madrid, right? Um, again, I, I, I balance that out with the idea of like, it wasn't like Real Madrid played particularly well. In fact, I thought they were poor. And when they did have chances to break lines of pressure and keep the ball and do things that looked a little advantageous, they just never really looked on the same page or, or capable of solving those problems. Yeah, uh, some good comments there, by the way. Lance, I believe, was mentioning how whether or not for Courtois, you know, PSG could have made it even bigger. So Courtois has to basically replicate what just happened today. And as well, Natalie mentioned it, and we will mention it here, Casemiro and Mendy are suspended for the second leg. That's big. That's big for them. By the way, Fabrizio Romano is tweeting a few things, just some reports from all over Europe, including... Movistar, and this is in particular in regards to, of course, Mbappé's future. As we know, his contract expiring, he can talk to anybody. And Kylian Mbappé, in Spanish, by the way, saying, I've not decided my future. I play for PSG, one of the best clubs in the world. Uh, this game to influence my future? No, I've not decided. I give my best, and then we will see what happens next season. So, you know, there's that to think about as well. And we knew this, right? Mbappé is just thinking about the now. He's thinking about winning right now. Uh, but it's going to be a big one. All right, well, let me, let's do a quick gut instinctive uh, reaction here before we move on because the next game won't be <laughs> too long to discuss. But straight away, what do you think is going to happen in the second leg? Who's going through here, HB? Man, that is just so tough to say. I mean, based on based on what I see now and my worries around PSG having a rhythm and do they have their best 11, they're certainly close to that. I think the fact, uh, the blessing that Neymar is still kind of getting his fitness back, that you can bring him off the bench and be a different type of maker. Again, he looked a little bit slow to start, but is always going to be similar to Messi, where you go, okay, do we double here? Do we shift over here? We can't overload because if he gets a, a, on the on the weak side, because what you see with them a lot is they have this rhythm where it'll be Mbappe and, and, and Messi on one side, and then you'll see uh, Neymar pop off the shoulder. Or when he's not on the field, you'll see, the combination play happening on one side and Messi pop off the shoulder on the weak side and get the ball facing it. Now they've got these numerical advantages. And I think that's always hard to, to defend against when you have that many world-class players on the field. So I think they're closest to their starting 11 and their best 11. And they certainly have a belief that they can get a result against Real Madrid. So I'm going to say PSG actually win the second leg. Um, I don't know, somewhere around 1-0, uh, maybe 2-1. 
Yeah, another tight fixture as well. A healthier namer, by the way, by that time as well. So that would be another headache for them. So the key thing, though, was getting that goal uh, from Kylian Mbappé's perspective and getting that lead. Because I think had it stayed at stalemate, things would have been very nervy for both sides, but even more so for PSG. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Here, Kigo Lasso Champions League recap on Tuesday. We're here with Heath Pierce. Uh, Tell us, well, what you think, uh, by the way, is the Champions League better with or without the away goals rule? We'd love to know that from you guys. Obviously, you know, it's a massive blow in many ways for the smaller nations, but it does, you know, all in all, Heath, it didn't make sense. It's like the rule, just because you're hosting a game, you know, gives you a disadvantage as opposed to the away team. It didn't make any sense. Now, I, th I believe it's it's way more balanced. What do you make of it, by the way? Yeah, there are things I liked about it, uh, especially when you got into second legs, right? Because the game started to show itself. A little, it, it forced people to start playing hands. It's like when you play poker and they start speeding up the rounds and and increasing the blinds and increasing all these types of things that forces the game to happen in a certain way. But after seeing it for as long as we have, it felt like it was time for a change because you started teams started going in and, and instead of putting your 11 against their 11, they started looking at it in the, in the sense of like, how do we, how do we use the rules to our advantage to get results? And I think uh, that changed the dynamic of the game, right? It changed the game plan. It changed the narrative in a locker room of our best 11 plays your best 11. And obviously there's tactics involved as opposed to saying our game plan starts with playing at home and not giving up a goal, right? Because if we give up a goal at home, that's the trouble, which means we need to balance more defensively and then offensively try to sort itself out. And I think it's it's just changing the the, the scope of what, what, what the way the game should be played, you know. And I, I like the away goal in a lot of ways because it's created all kinds of drama and entertainment for us as fans. But at the same time, I think the dynamic of that, I'm 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 happy to see it change uh, at least for the time being. You know, yeah, checking I, we'll check in again uh, in in a couple more seasons and and see how that goes. <laughs> exactly, I think I agree. All right, we're gonna take a a break here. We'll be right back to discuss sporting against uh, Man City, which, by the way, you know, we'll try and make it an interesting recap that it pretty much mm -hmm. happened. Uh, what happened before Kigo Lasso? Champions League Tuesday recap. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Champions League Tuesday recap with Heath Pierce. All right, let's get straight into it. Um, And by the way, don't be shy. Get into the mix in the comments section. We want to hear from you, especially now, Man City fans. This is your time. Sporting fans, I'm sorry. 5 nothing. Manchester City. It was nasty. I mean, I was on HUHP saying the only way you can beat a Man City Goliath is to just go at them and just hope for the best. You may get killed yourself, but at least you went for it. And well, they didn't really go for it, but they did get killed. Five and nothing. It was pretty over HP after this one. Yeah. It's it's the classic early goal that just buries you. You're the home team, and it's a deflator. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy surrounding sporting right now and the brawl that took place last weekend and just a lot of drama in the club. They're second in the league. It's, uh, you know, and that was obviously a brawl with, with Porto um, and a huge match. And then to go into a Champions League can be a huge distraction. Having said that, they were playing at home. They had an, every opportunity to, to be in this match, but Man City are just so good. And they're at a point right now where if you mess up, if you make a mistake, it's automatic, right? If you don't defend in blocks and units and have a good game plan, they will bury you and they'll bury you quickly. And then from the very start here, every turnover led to a good opportunity and a good opportunity led to a goal. And by the time it was 3-0, I think it was like the 37th minute when Phil Foden scored his goal off of uh, a ball cut across bad clearance or missed clearance falls right at his feet. He puts it away. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know what else to say about this game other than that. It was a full blown kind of washing of, of sporting from start to finish. And, and one where if you're sporting, you're kind of embarrassed at the performance you've put out. You've come this far into the tournament. You've had some great results leading up to this. You you've now reached the knockout rounds and to go out, well, you know, presumed to go out. We've 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 seen uh, crazier, <laughs> yeah. not crazier things happen than this, but we've seen big score lines be reversed uh, in the past. But it's as good as done with this one. And actually, for Man City, you start to look at it and you go, "Wow, this is another blessing for us, right?" We we've we've skirted around the COVID issues earlier in the season. Now we're back in the Champions League. The, we put out a, a really strong team to play this one. Obviously, they could put out any player, and they're a strong team. Um, but now they can rotate the squad completely differently and focus on other things. And so. It's just another thing that looking beyond Champions League, if you're within the league, if you're Liverpool hunting them in the league, you go, man, they just got another favor in this, that they've got this easy path now into the next round and can rotate in, in a time of year that nobody's able to really find uh, a game that uh, safe enough to rotate players. Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, listen, one of the biggest things we were talking about this season was about Man City and not getting... Harry Kane past summer and not having a number nine and Gabriel Jesus didn't travel. Neither did Jack Grealish, Phil Foden playing as this sort of, uh, you know, Mancunian version of Sergio Aguero, but it doesn't matter. Anybody can do it. I know the question now. I know the answer to it. Heath Beers, why? You know, who is Man City's number nine? It's Man City. They're all the number nine. It doesn't matter. They all just cover a space. It's like checkers. It's like, you know, you fill a space, we'll cover it. It's just beautiful to watch. And obviously they have a $300 million bench. They have such a tremendous squad, but they're all in unison. They're just like an orchestra and they just keep going and it doesn't matter. So let me ask you this. And by the way, here are the stats, 15 shots for Man City, six on target. But I think the revelation here were, were the passes, right? The completed passes, 674 for Manchester City. That's double or almost double to what Sporting was doing. 
64% possession, etc. It was just Man City through and through. Heath Pierce, are Man City your favorites to go all the way finally? Uh, they're my favorites to reach uh, the final for sure. Uh, I, I I just don't see how you can write them off. I think the issue that you run into as teams get better defensively is how much purpose do they have in that possession in and around the box, right? They still don't have a number nine and teams that are getting smarter and smarter against that. And again, fearing that Pep Guardiola is going to pep his way and over kind of overthink the situation to try to outsmart the opponent heading into a final that mm. we saw already where he kind of overthinks it and teams are able to strategically set up shop in a way that makes it very frustrating and hard to play against that. And as you go up this ranks to a final, teams are going to test and and the teams that you're going to meet in later rounds are going and watching and with or or combing through it with a fine tooth tooth comb to see what your weaknesses are, how to neutralize their attack. Because we saw against PSG in the first half, even again playing without a traditional quote unquote striker, you most of your play happens underneath uh, that back line, and that's a comfortable position for a back six to sit in. Now, when City is really good and they're dynamic, they get the ball wide, they have combination play, they get in, they get down to the touchline a couple times and stretch you back there and start to change the angles of the way in which they attack you or try to punish you. That's when they're really hard uh, to stop. Uh, when they try to go through the middle underneath and everybody's checking back to the ball, that's where they struggle. And same thing with PSG as they started to become more dynamic in their movements, little darting runs, Mbappe spinning out over the top, doing all those little, all that little dirty work that in real time seems like nothing, but starts to make defenders go, do I come? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I push somebody on? That's where you start to create these little tiny gaps for combination play where the world-class attacking capabilities come out. So I certainly think they're a favorite of mine to, to, to reach the final. Now, getting to what happens in the final, it's all going to be up to what Pep decides to do in terms of rolling out uh, the 11 that he thinks can get that re get that result without overthinking it. And how know, you figure out Man City, which is what Thomas Tuchel did exactly right. What, what do you think, everybody? Are Man City your favorites to go all the way? Who can stop them? Obviously, we just saw what PSG can do. Obviously, it depends on many things. But Man City, do they remain the powerhouse, the one to beat uh, regardless man city five nothing to heath pierce's point they can roll out the ball boy put him in goal if they want in the second leg i think it should be fine hey here's one from that i knew it was coming do you think stefan will get to play the second leg now why not i mean i don't think they'll do it uh just because <laughs> no there's not chance. always a a reason for for putting a, a new goalkeeper in, in these situations <laughs> especially when your goalkeeper is going to get a bunch of touches stay involved in the game probably not have to make a ton of saves but, you know, is actively involved in the passing game. It's just another game for him, and it's not going to be that physically taxing or demanding, though it is always is uh, to be ment mentally dialed in for 90 minutes as a goalkeeper. It's got to be a huge challenge. But uh, I would love to see Stefan. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, I agree. I think it's uh, maybe somewhere else out in, you know, with the uh, outfield players, perhaps uh, the younger folk up front, et cetera, et cetera. All right, well, let's uh, quickly talk about Wednesday's matches. Keith. Pierce, and by the way, here's uh, your U.S. internationals in the knockout stages. Uh, Brendan Aronson, McKinney, Pulisic, Zach Steffen, Timothy Weah, of course. Uh, some good names, some good representations there as well with Pulisic being an all-time in the knockout stages, of course. Marcus Beasley, good to see him right there, obviously with PSV Einhoven as well. And Gio Reyna, which is amazing because... Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Gio right there on the pitch. I know he be a uh, while longer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely correct. But anyway, let's talk about Wednesday's action. By the way, Inter against Liverpool. By the way, everybody, I talked 
to Sadio Mane. Definitely, I'm telling you right now, my favorite interview on Kegolasso. Such an amazing human being. Him being an amazing footballer is honestly second there. He's just an incredible person. We talked for a while. You can listen to it on audio. You can watch it on our channel. We'll be promoting it tomorrow, but I wrote an article. He's just great, man. Just great. All in all, I'm not even going to... Hey, did he give you more? Anymore. Did he just give you more time than than what they allotted? Like, did he hang? He hanged, man. He hanged. We were just chilling. Like, let, here's the thing about Sadio Mane. Like, we see each other on uh, StreamYard or whatever. We're just about to do the interview. And his smile lights up the room. And you know me, I'm just like screaming, Sadio Mane, singing, chanting his song. And immediately we just bonded. And he just chilled. He was waiting for me to finish. He was just sticking around. I was just like, at the very end, I was asking him like, you know, who are the fun characters in in that in that Liverpool dressing room? He thinks Shimikas is an absolute clown. He thinks he's hilarious. He thinks that who's this, who's the who's the messiest, uh, dirtiest person in the dressing room? He said Allison hands down, which is kind of interesting. He talked about you know winning with Senegal and what that means for his people. People don't know how much of a humanitarian he is, building uh, mosques and COVID nineteen relief for Senegal, and he hates to talk about it. Yeah. He's just, he's like, on it, I, I don't like talking about it. It's like, because to him, it's just an instinct. It's like, I have to help them. How can I not? Because that's who I am. It's, it's just an amazing interview. I really recommend everybody to watch it and read it. Uh, very lucky to have Sadio Mane as part of the show. And he talked about Inter Milan and how he thinks that they're going to win Serie A. Heath Pierce, by the way. Uh, and that's the game, Inter Milan against Liverpool. What do you make of this game, by the way, buddy? It's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Uh, obviously, both these teams in a crazy time of the year, right? Fighting for, for, for multiple trophies. And it comes at a time where both teams see me are seemingly fit. Uh, and Liverpool, I mean, it's, it's hard to figure out who need, like, I, I understand Liverpool are, are, are the favorites in this, uh, but Inter Milan are, are not going to be easy to play against, right? In terms of just the Italian style play tends to do well in Europe, just because of the discipline, the defensive style, the way in which they move collectively, but Inter Milan are at home in this first one, so I, I'm I'm really excited about about this one. I still think Liverpool are the favorites uh, going into this, but you never know um, with Inter Milan, and and you know, in, in one hand, it could be in, a blessing for Inter Milan to not go through to the next round, but no one in that Inter locker room is thinking like that, right? They're like, let's take down Liverpool and let's go to the next round. We can manage all of these. We've got enough quality. We've got enough players, um, but now with with uh, all these players back from AFCON, I just I just wonder what what type of team Liverpool is going to put out and and just how roaring to go they're going to be to 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 bury Inter Milan early in the match. It's the trickiest fixture for me this week. I, I it's the hardest one for me to figure out. I think I gave it as a draw. That's because I I, I bottled it. I I, I chickened mm-hmm. out. I didn't mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to select a winner because to your point, Inter Milan are going to be a very tricky. Uh, team and by the way, Liverpool won against Burnley, but Burnley could have equalized in more than one occasion. So, you know, it's going to be an interest. And to your point, too many cooks in the kitchen, perhaps because they have Luis Diaz, of course, Diogo Jota, Mohamed Salah, Firmino, Sadio Mane, even Origi. Like, there's a lot to figure out for Jurgen Klopp. It's a good problem, mm-hmm. of course, but you know, it's going to be interesting. And Sadio Mane also talks about that, by the way. Um, by the way, also Salzburg against Bayern Munich. Uh, good to see Brendan Aronson in this one. There, Heath Pierce against uh, a Bayern side that lost this past weekend. 
Yeah, this is all that matters now for 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 Bayern Munich. You know, I I talked about this a little bit on 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 the previews to these types of things. Is that for 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 Brendan Aronson and for RB Salzburg, this is really their only test. They play the team that's in second place in their league over the next couple of weeks in between the two legs of this. But this is where they get their real test for the rest of the year, and they need to be able to step up to this. Obviously, they're just recently out of their 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 winter break that went into an international uh, uh, fixture dates. And so they're they're back in the swing of things. But Bayern Munich aren't exactly in the best form, but they're comfortable in the league. I don't see anybody uh, being able to catch them. But you look at this again, and you go, Bayern are still the heavy favorites. And it's just, for me, it's more, more, more shocking to see RB Salzburg in this knockout rounds and RB Leipzig uh, not in this uh, knockout round. But when I look at Salzburg, they're the ones that have had the consistent plan. They haven't had the turnover and a little bit less pressure than an RB Leipzig who've got to manage much harder schedules in the Bundesliga and much harder schedules in, or much harder group in Europe, uh, by the way, to, to group of death. But yeah, th- this is another great matchup. Hopefully Brendan Aronson gets the start, but Bayern Munich should be able to control this one. I think it's a little romantic for us to think that, that uh, RB Leib- or RB Salzburg have a chance only because of, you know, we want to think that with Brendan Aronson and we're a little bit more invested in it than we normally would be. But Bayern should be able to comfortably handle these two legs and, and get out of this unscathed. Did you give me your prediction for Inter Liverpool? Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Liverpool one nil. Okay, Liverpool one nil. Man, Pretty I want to go with draw though. That's killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me inside the thing to say is, that. Like, one nils don't really mean much anymore, to be honest with you, especially when you're a team like Inter or whatever, because you know there's no away goal rule. If I had it been last season, maybe it would have been good if Liverpool win one nothing. But I'm beginning to. I mean, it's making it so much more interesting now because one nothing. To our point about PSG Real Madrid, it doesn't really, really matter. By the way, that's a great result. One nothings, you know, like it. It's it, it, obviously a one nothing the opposite way. It's still a great result for both teams. It's awesome for for Liverpool to to get that result away from home, but Liverpool, but uh, Inter Milan would still very much be in it at one nil, and so it's it's kind of, I don't know, the the, the one nil almost. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't have the same value that it once did for for better or for worse for either of the teams uh, and just leaves it as a 1-0 where it's like just one goal to overcome regardless yeah, exactly. and you can play a game play a game completely differently. Now I feel like a coward calling the 1-0 because 1-0 is like the new draw in Champions League. It's <laughs> exactly, 1-0. To be fair, 1-0 for the away the team draw. is better than the 1-0 for the home team because you're just like, oh yeah, they 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 won 1-0 and then they got to go away from home and and it's the same thing all over again there's no i need that as a t-shirt by the way one nail is a new draw i like that i like that hey desnars you have a cool graphic for us uh make some fun about the greatest uh number nines for man city (laughs) look at that none of them are number nines bernardo silva did you see his goal today Woo! riyad maris james bench had a good article today about like not today actually he wrote it a while ago about how this is riyad maris's season it's looking good and raheem sterling of course continuing to do these things, they don't need a number nine because the whole team is a number nine. But to your point, Heath Pierce, it all depends what happens in that final game, if they reach the final, of course. But that was uh, today, their best nines uh, and what they achieved. Uh, Ronaldo Silva could have had a hat trick today too, which is yeah. wild. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you play a game like that, it's 5-0. Anybody has a chance at a hat trick. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's crazy. The, the number nine thing is just that it's an interesting argument because it seems to work and we – we talk about this this time of year, every single year about this team that just has a false nine and no true number nine. 
And, and then all of a sudden that starts to become harder and harder as you face better teams who are shaping up against you. And then we, we saw what happened in the final, um, with, with, with Gundogan and, and just the, the, the over tinkering of Pep Guardiola. Yeah. But, um, it seems to get you far, but my question is, can the false nine get you to the, the hallowed ground of winning the trophy? That's my point. I think that's what I've been saying all along. It's it's not so much about because it, it's also dependent on philosophy and strategy, right? Pep Guardiola doesn't need a classic nine. He needs somebody to occupy the nine position at stages in the game in possession. But to your point, I I am a firm believer that you need a clinical finisher, somebody that knows how to finish in a final because there, sometimes it becomes real tight. Uh, toxically restrictive. You can have the spaces that you want, as we saw last season in the Champions League final and how Chelsea did. And sometimes all you need is like this Benzema kind of just give me that one opportunity or half an opportunity and I'll make it happen. So that, you know, it's just, it's very tricky with Man City because that nine also needs to be super mobile. He needs to like drop. He needs to be aware that he can go left. He can go right. It does exist. They do, they're out there, of course. Right. Uh, Holland, I'm thinking about, you know, some others, but, you know, well, we, we, but, but by the way, we thought about this with Chelsea of, of getting that true number nine with Lukaku. And it, and mm. while it's worked in the last couple of weeks and it worked very early in the season, just in terms of the instant, the instantaneous nature that you see the dynamic change of having somebody that can occupy center backs and keep them honest and also punish them uh, on the half chance that they get that they're always in and around the area poaching for balls, creating opportunities on their own, being able to go one-on-one -on, -one on the dribble, those types of complete striker things have such a value when you use them to your advantage. But if your occupation of the two center backs for long periods is no contact on the ball, no real involvement, that's something completely different. And so it's just, like you said, it's it's a tactical thing. It's, it's a f philosophical way in which you use that player at the number nine position. Yeah, I actually think uh, as you're talking, Lautaro Martinez would be kind of perfect for Man City in, in that regard. But anyway, it doesn't matter. What do we know? We don't know more than Pep Guardiola because look what he's done. 5 nothing. he'll get to the final, uh, just easing his way through the Premier League. And by the way, a Premier League game today was Man United. Heath Pierce won 2 nothing against Brighton. They're fourth now. Uh, so all that you know, craziness about United, well, they got a game. So all they needed to do was everybody to pay attention to... Uh, to the Champions League, and so they could just get on with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's writing about us, so we could just have have a game. But yeah, again, this is the whole thing. Like Matt, games in hand mean something if you can get those points out of it. And while they're still, I think uh, Spurs have two games in hand. Uh, Arsenal have two or three games in hand. There's just and there's still a lot to play out. They're they're significant. They're certainly keeping themselves in the conversation, albeit not in the way that we expect of Man United, and albeit not in the way that we expect of the world class team they have. At least. Uh, I, I say team uh, sparingly, but the, the roster that they have of players uh, quality wise, the, the army that they yeah. have. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And the army that we have on Kegelasso is the greatest Heath Pierce, PSG number one, super fan. Thank you so much for being part of the family, my friend. Uh, there you go. Any final thoughts, buddy, before we say goodbye? Yeah, I got this really cool uh, espresso slash shot glass um, at our last Ooh. FootyCon festival. It's it's Ooh, a Neymar a with a scuba 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 gear on. Um, <laughs> it's it's called the divers the divers collection. So ah, oh, very good, very uh, good. I've got Robin also on there with the swim cap on. You can't really see it right now, but um, 
Yeah, that's, yeah. those are those are my final thoughts. For those he doesn't are, need a he doesn't need a swimming cap, Robin. Yeah, <laughs> for those of you that are just listening, just mute me from here. Like I, I had nothing to add to the end, but yeah, I'm a I'm a huge PSG fan. If you can't see and you're just listening to this, I've got the uh, the uh, the PSG Jumpman collection. I, I spent a summer in Paris, and in exchange, they gave me a, a great little box of, of of goodies that none of it which fits it's all like a size too big and the shoes are size 12 i'm an 11 and all these things but i've just kept them because kind of cool stuff you're the soccer equivalent of like you go to paris and you buy like the eiffel tower key ring and the yeah. t-shirt you went to park at the airport you, just, you know shopping at yeah. the airport before i leave saying oh man i didn't get anything from this one month long world cup trip i should get something and you buy all the psg stuff <laughs> it's like psg stuff. puked yeah. on you yeah. <laughs> i love it well thank you so much youth beers i appreciate it Heath Pierce will be back with us later this week of course and don't forget to follow him uh on twitter and the usmnt hour every monday hp thank you my man Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. We are also on YouTube, as you know, right now. com forward slash Kegolasso. We have so much great content. Sadio Mane interview, our Champions League preview that also includes Wednesday's action, as well as our recap. We'll be back tomorrow as well and weekend preview later in the week. Have a great, great rest of your evening, and we will see you next time. Till then. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.